Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. What is up on a Wednesday? I'm Brian Scott Ribby. My co-conspirator here is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this fine Wednesday. A little late recording today. I was uh, at the baseball game last night at AutoZone Park. Ole Miss gets a 9-6 win over Memphis. Um, a little late getting home last night, so after some class and some other things today, we're finally getting to it. Colin, how are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm surprised you made it to class this morning as late as you got in last night. Yeah, I uh, I am too. It'd be one like I think I've said this before on this podcast. If it, if it was one of those days where if it were undergrad, I wouldn't even set an alarm. I would have just <laughs> let it go. But you know, I've got responsibilities and 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 other things now. And I had got up and recorded some interviews. So tomorrow we'll have a special major league kind of opening day podcast preview. I don't know how many baseball fans listen to this or how many big league baseball fans there are in Mississippi in general. But we'll have Mark Sheldon on, a uh, recorded interview with him. He's the Reds beat reporter for MLB.com. He's covered the Reds since 2006, covered the Twins for five years before that. And then we'll also have Chandler Rome, who is entering his second season as the Astros beat reporter for the Houston Chronicle. So we'll have some different stuff. We'll go into some ALNL stuff. Um, try not to get too Reds heavy, but they are kind of an interesting team in that division. So I'm looking forward to that show, and then me and you will give our predictions. But I think it could turn out pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited for opening day. Uh, it's one that should be a, as some most sports holidays should be, or a lot of big sports days should be. It should be a national holiday tomorrow, without a doubt. And then I was talking to Mark. Uh, you know, Cincinnati like like prides itself on like the like being the first professional sports team or whatever. So it literally is a holiday there. They have a parade. They shut down like the <laughs> Finley market area downtown. The Reds game's always a day game on opening day. Like it's a big deal. They literally shut down the city. Well, that's nice. That's nice. And and, and it's good for Cincinnati. They're, they're probably not going to play off team this year, but they're going to be a lot better. No, that whole division will be interesting. I think they'll probably jump to around 500, but Minus the we'll, they won't be. No, but they, I mean, hell, they got the best, they, you could argue they have one of the best rotations in the division, if nothing else. Yeah, that's fair. Um. Anyway, so we'll get into more of that tomorrow on that show. Should be good stuff if you're a baseball fan. Today we'll do some Ole Miss baseball, some notes from last night. It was a small sample size, but a lot of good things happened for Ole Miss. We'll get into some Sweet 16 predictions and stuff like that. So I guess for starters, we'll start with the baseball game. Ole Miss wins nine to six in a game that took roughly nine hours. Um, I think we were in, we were, uh, we sur- eclipsed the t- two hour mark in the fourth inning. Um, that's when you know it's a good night. Yeah. That's, that's about as midweek as they come. So Ole Miss jumps out to a four, nothing lead. Uh, Jordan Fowler almost immediately relinquishes it, gives up four, goes like an inch yeah, two thirds. Immediately, it was immediately. Yeah, I mean, I guess you uh, uh, did. He get an out in between that? I don't know. I guess oh, you can't really yeah, get more probably. immediate than that. So, Ole Miss goes up four nothing in seven, gives gives up four in the bottom of the second, gets three. Game gets hairy late. I guess we'll start with Fowler. They did not get much from him once again. It feels like that. That ex, you know, there's some experiments that need to be over. Uh, with this team, and it feels like that's coming close to being one, is uh, him being a starter in the midweek because 
I just I almost needs to win midweek baseball games, and I'm not sure he's your best option right now. He was not good yesterday. He was really good in the first inning, which was kind of, you know, you thought maybe, hey, he can get something going here, but comes out in the second inning, gets behind in counts, and his stuff's never going to overpower you. Power you. So, uh, yeah, just, just didn't get it done again last night and, get, and gives up a 4-0 lead that Ole Miss spotted him in the top of the second uh, before Ole Miss can get even get back up to the plate in the third. Um, so it's just kind of unfortunate right now. But uh, going forward, I'm not sure how much more innings you can give him during the midweek. Oh, well, he has flashes of, like, showing good times. It's weird because he has moments where he's really good with the fastball and the breaking ball, but he leaves it over the plate too much, and his mistakes are such egregious mistakes that it costs him terribly. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, he's never going to overpower you with a 91, 93-mile-an-hour fastball, so he's got to be precise. He's got to stay down in the zone, and it's just not happening right now. Um, and that's kind of what happened against Memphis. He, he got behind in some counts. He, he lost control, and, and he's throwing 87, 88 over the middle of the plate, and good college hitters are going to hit that, and that's what happened. So they are going to have to do something about that because they've already lost five midweek games, and they have a lot of formidable competition coming up in the midweek. Two against Southern, one against State, have to play the Memphis this Memphis team one more time. Like they can't afford to keep dropping midweek games with the way the pace they're. I know it's two weekends in the conference, but with the pace they're currently on, they can't afford to keep losing these games. Yeah, I mean you've already dropped you've dropped what two on the weekends and then three. Uh, Midweek games, I mean, it, at some point now, in fairness, all you have left are non-conference is midweek games. But, I mean, you, you've got to – people kind of glossed over those. But when you play Southern Miss twice and you play Mississippi State in the midweek, those games count just the same as the weekend games uh, from an RPI perspective. Now, obviously, the SEC games are more important to the committee when you get into that realm of, realm of things. But these midweek games are really important. And, and to not be able to get, you know, more than an inning and – and what or more than two innings out of your starter is kind of alarming. Um, you know, I feel like Houston Roth is going to have a bigger role at some point, whether it's midweek starter. Whether it's, I mean, he, he, he can't, he didn't pitch last night. I don't blame him with per se, but he has to either be the midweek guy or the Sunday guy for this team to reach its ceiling, in my opinion. Yeah, he does. And I think, cause I, I was talking to, to Chase about this last night as we were driving home. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got, and he's the guy we were talking about a couple weeks ago where if you got his stat line, in March, like for the end of the year, you could tell a lot about this team, and I think that still holds true. He's been good in his last couple of relief outings. I think he's finally getting that shoulder issue behind him. That shoulder issue was more serious than people realized. Yeah, and I think it lingered with him all the way up to Louisville, but I think it looks like at least he's finally putting that in the rear view. But yes, they are. He's either going to have to be the midweek starter. He's he's. Go- I mean, that really, he's either going to have to be the midweek starter or replace Hoagland on Sundays, or he's going to have to be their one of their I mean, they're best reliever, but it preferably one of the first two. Yeah. Like, if you're old Miss, because they're they're not getting. I mean, they're not getting anything out of Jordan Fowler. They can't keep affording to lose these games. Like, it feels like Roth is either going to be inserted on Sunday if Hoagland continues to struggle, and I feel like they'll go back to Hoagland at least once, if not twice, for two more. He'll get this starts. weekend. He'll get this weekend, but um, I don't think anything's guaranteed past this weekend. I don't uh, necessarily disagree with that, but it, but I, to me, it would have to be another compl- like it would have to be an abject disaster of an outing for them to pull the trigger after this weekend. Maybe, but I feel like and, and here's something that'll kind of kind of not get you know talked about. I think Hoagland would be really good in the midweek because you're facing a little bit less inferior competition and you're going to throw it in the strike zone. So maybe he and he's shown enough in flashes. Yeah, exactly. So I think Hoagland's stuff right now would play better in the midweek than it would on the weekends, and vice versa with Roth. Um, but 
but just going forward, yeah, you're just not getting it out of Fowler right now, which is kind of disheartening for them. It has to be after the season he had last year. Yeah, and that's where it's really been tough for Mike Bianco because you got, like, we've talked about it a hundred times on this show, but, like, two guys you thought you were going to either be two weekend starters, a weekend starter, a midweek starter, or a starter and one formidable reliever in Greer Holston and Jordan Fowler. You thought those were two huge pieces, and you're getting literally nothing out of one and next to nothing out of the other. Yeah, I do think, and, and you may have heard more, I think Holston is close. To, uh, to getting some innings. I've, I've heard he's really close to getting, you know, 91-92 in the bullpen. Ole Miss needs something to go their way, and, and if they can get Holston back on the mound, that'd probably be big for them just from, man, they got to have some depth in this bullpen. So on more of a positive side, though, Chase Cockrell goes three for five on his birthday, no less, has two doubles. The first one would probably gotten out of the park in most college parks. The second one was a really good at bat in the ninth inning that gave Ole Miss two more runs, insurance runs that kind of gave Crazy some wiggle room as he put a couple runners on in the ninth. Um, per usual. T- t- yeah, <laughs> that's almost he might as well put the first two. Guys, he just like to start the inning, just tell those first two guys to go stand on first and second, then they'll start pitching. <laughs> but between and then Thomas Dillard goes two for four. That's back to back two hits games for him. He's since SEC play, he's five for twenty three with two of those hits coming against. Pine Bluff in the midweek, so good to see him get going if you're Ole Miss. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I kind of wrote about this. I think a little bit of Thomas's is, is, is bad luck. He was he coming into the Sunday game, he was one for 17 with two strikeouts. So that means 14 times he put the ball in play with no reward for it, which is a little bit unlucky. Um, and then saying that, he was a little bit lucky to start the year from a BABIP perspective. So I, I think Thomas is fine. The big story from last night was, was Cockrell going three for five, because, and you may disagree with me here, I think for Ole Miss to reach its ceiling, Chase Cockrell has got to be in the lineup. I, I think he, he provides so much from a power perspective. And look, there's a lot of swing and miss there. But he, he – and I know he's got zero home runs this year, but anybody on this team will tell you he's got the most raw power on the roster. So from – and Ole Miss, frankly, does not hit for power right now. They're not getting anything from an extra base perspective. So I think Ole Miss going forward, it was good to see Cockrell have that night because I think Ole Miss going forward is going to have to rely on him no matter – you know, I know what the numbers look like right now, but I think it, at some point you just got to play the kid and, and, and let him figure it out. So I'll push back on that a little bit. I don't fully disagree with you because they're undoubtedly a much better team with a higher ceiling with a productive Chase Cockrell in the lineup. But I'm just not sure what to make of last night because no, yeah, that's fair. It it was a small sample size against a you know eleven and twelve Memphis team, and he hit a hanging changeup in the ninth. I think he hit a fastball on the other double. It's just. You he what he came in to the night with twenty two strikeouts I believe in yeah. sixty four plate appearances is it sixty five something like that like he was striking out right around like forty four percent of his plate appearances his struggles to hit a breaking ball make me a little hesitant to just kind of, I mean maybe it's something though it's it, like last night wasn't nothing maybe he found something because he did look better and look more comfortable in his at bats but I mean he if he goes back on- to he looked comfortable on Sunday at Missouri too, to be fair. Yeah, but if if but if if it, if it reverts back to him striking out at the same clip and just simply not putting balls in play, how much longer do you ride with him? Because I think okay. he's going to start at least two games this weekend. 
I think he's going to start off three, um, especially with Elko getting hurt. I don't, I don't know the health status of that. What they wind up saying with him, Mike, do, Mike. This is far from a proper medical diagnosis, but Mike said I think jammed back. Um, I, I don't, don't really don't know what that means. I don't no, think you're fond of that prop- one. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Mike Bianco has a doctor degree, but point being, 225 pound guy crashes into the wall really hard. He was walking around fine after the game, and Mike kind of looked at him and was like, Tim, are you okay? And he's, I don't know what he said to him, but I just, I don't know his status. It doesn't appear to be like long term serious, but you're talking about playing this weekend. I have no, I, I don't know, and I don't think they knew at that point last I night. I got you. Well, so thing- to your point with Elko out, he's like, Cockrell's probably going to have to play. But my thing is, is if, like, what you, do you abandon Knox LaPoster? This weekend, I, I think you kind of have to because look, Knox LaPoster started three games this weekend because Missouri started three right, or left handed pitchers and La, they're, Arkansas is throwing three right handed. So I think Kevin Graham's going to get all the DH at bats this weekend. With Cockrell and right field? Um, maybe Servideo and right and Adams at second. Um, I mean, you could do so a. So where multi- does that put Cockrell though? I mean, I'm just saying you, that's your two options. You either go Adams at second, Servideo at right, or Servideo at second, Cockrell and right. That's kind of your options at that point. So he's probably just playing the like. It seems like at this point, and that's probably the. I was talking about this with Chase last night too. That's probably one of the bigger and like not issues, but like evidence of, of, of what's like kind of wrong with this team is that it's still at this point in the year, there's so many moving parts with the lineup. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're, and, and I hate to pile on the kids, but when you're one of your biggest offensive catalysts, just simply cannot hit left-handed pitching in Anthony Shavidio. I, I don't know what you do um, considering both your second baseman or left-handers and Adams and Shavidio. So that's, that's gotta be tough because I think Shavidio going into today is like one of 17 versus lefties uh with like a walk so it's it's just not really producing there so I, going forward i don't know what you do from a second base perspective if you're going to play cockrell if he produces uh at any rate close to what he did last year i think you're gonna have to pull a tune maybe because servideo has to be in the lineup versus right handers and he gives you more from an athleticism standpoint he's kind sure. of sparked him on the base pass a little too sure but you got to get on the base pass to Spark on the base pass. That's fair. And they're a be- obviously they're a much better defensive outfield with Adams at second and him in right field. But at a certain point, you kind of have to give that up to 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 kind of provide some pop in the offense. And I think the the problem with this offense hasn't been like necessarily like there's just too many holes in it. They're they're not getting like they're missing the consistency that Will Golson and Nick Fortes provided in the lineup last year. I think I- losing them was a little undersold. I completely agree. Um, you know, everybody, and, and I did it too. I said, you know, they got seven of nine returners back. Yeah, but those two that you lost were really good college baseball players. Um, they didn't and, swamp and, hardly ever. No, no. Uh, Colson went through it a little bit last year because the BABIP gods hated him. But I think he wound up hitting over 300 for year, for the year because that's what Will Colson did. Um, but, yeah, it's just you kind of lose those guys and their their ability to handle left-handed pitching. And I think that's kind of what, what you're beginning to see is is how big losing those two were because they didn't – and, and I, I just don't know why this team struggles against left-handed pitching, but those two guys didn't struggle at all against uh, South Boss. So it'll be interesting to see what Bianco does going forward with second base DH and kind of what he does in the corner outfield spots because 
I mean, it, he has, he's been shown in the past he's not afraid to platoon. He's not afraid to, quote-unquote, ride the hot bat or whatever you want to call it. It's, so, it's interesting platoon, though, with Adams and Ceridio because you're playing you're platooning two left-handers based on a left-right matchup. Yeah, and then one of them's kind of playing outfield, too. Yeah, fair enough. But, uh, you know, what's uh, I, I was just Googling, not Googling, looking at some stats today. It's funny, we, talk, we talked about last year, or, uh, them losing two guys, and everybody made a lot out of the rotation and losing the rotation. Do you want to know, Ole Miss has thrown six SEC games this year. They've played six SEC games. And five of those six SEC games, the starting pitcher has given up one earned run or less. It is it is crazy that this offense has not been able to bail them out with that number. Yeah, and a little bit of that is is kind of kind of misguided, not misguided, but I mean the stat is still accurate. But like like Phillips leaves in the second inning right, of the game. I mean, right. Even still, it's four of six. Yep. And what what did what did Hoagland end up giving up last week? Uh, yeah, that was the only one. Technically, he gave up like four and and two and a third, or three and two and a third. So. There's so much going on with this team at once, and, and another positive aspect of last night in a night where you didn't get much length, they almost gave up 15 hits. Oof. Taylor Broadway and Tyler Myers pieced together 5.1 innings of scoring relief. Tyler Myers has been really good. He's got over his last three outings that span six innings now. He's thrown uh, six innings of shutout ball and two hits, and that was his first appearance since March the 16th versus Alabama. Yeah, it's a shame that they couldn't pitch him at Missouri. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Tyler Myers has got to get in. How, you know, you, you wrote written a lot about uh, Myers last night, um, obviously for good reason. He looked really good. How did Broadway look? Because I think he's one of their arms that, man, I don't really understand the struggles there because he's got electric stuff. He was okay. Like, got into some trouble a little earlier, kind of got – he was the one that got bailed out on the Servideo play, right? Right. The, the line drive that really changed the game. So, what, that's a 4-4 game, bases loaded, one out? Yeah, yeah, and Servideo doubles them off at second. Yeah, and so he benefited from that. So, he got a little fortunate. But, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it was two and a third with no runs on – gave up four hits. Oof. So, a little bit fortunate, but was – like, results-wise, was okay. And How many strikeouts if you have that? yeah. And to me, Myers obviously was the the best reliever they had out of the pen last night. I mean, he was he was really good, and they've got to find a way to get him in games more. No, no, yeah, absolutely. I think behind you know Austin Miller and Connor Green, he's got to be your next guy to go to in middle relief. Maybe Sands, Houston, Roth. So, uh, look, this this bullpen needs members that that can get outs, and and he appears to be one right now. He's given up two hits over his last three appearances, which span six innings, and I don't really understand how you wouldn't get him in a game this weekend. Yeah, and so there's so much going like like there's still enough there with this team where I think they can put it together. They can't get swept this weekend. They have to at least get a game. Two puts them like goes a long way in curing some of Two the struggles fixes they've everything. had. Yeah, yeah, it gets them kind of right back on pace. That's a tall task. They can't get swept, but there's enough there. Like there's enough guys like with Cockrell kind of finding maybe a little bit of something. Dillard kind of rounding into form. They found what seems like a formidable one-two punch with Etheridge and Nikhazy. There's enough there that it, like, this team, like, I, I hesitate to say turn it around because they're not really that in that big of a hole yet, but they're not playing great baseball. And, like, like you could see this team, in classic one of those Mike Bianco teams that kind of hits its stride in the second half of the SEC season, but at the same time, you could see it going awry as well. So it's kind of, this team's hard to figure out. 
Yeah, you know, tell me where they're at after Kentucky, and I can probably tell you where the season's going. If look, it, it, would you be shocked if this team wins a game in Fayetteville and then sw- not, or then takes two from Florida and sweeps Kentucky? Because they 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 play well at home. Florida's not that good, and Kentucky's terrible. So I mean, that that wouldn't shock me at all if they win six of their next nine and are nine and six. It also wouldn't shock me if they get swept this weekend, lose two of three to Florida, and only win two versus Kentucky, and they're six and nine. So nice. Um, but it's just it's too early to kind of tell where the season's going. Yeah, it is, and I think this weekend will be these next two weekends really where you catch Arkansas and then probably a pretty pretty angry Florida team after I mean Florida gets Alabama this weekend. That feels like Oof. a get right weekend. Yeah, for they'll them. be three and oh. Yeah, so like they'll come in probably feeling a little bit better about themselves. This is a crucial two week stretch for this team. I mean, they need to figure out I mean, I know like there's probably going to be a somewhat of a platoon at the DH or corner outfit spots, but they gotta figure like don't they have to tighten the lineup down some? I think they have to figure out, and I'm okay platooning. I think they have to figure out this is going to be my lineup versus right-handers. This is going to be my lineup versus left-handers. And that's the lineup. Like I, I don't think you can keep doing this four weeks into SEC play. So I think they've got to figure out, okay, well, who's going to play versus righties? Who's going to play versus lefties? So that it's not such in flux uh, you know, throughout the season. Yeah, so 8 p.m. first pitch on Friday, Will Ethers on the mound for Ole Miss. Yeah, that's a late first pitch. I, I'm glad I will not be I saw present for that you going? No, I'm not going. First weekend in Oxford in a while, I have kind of nothing going on. Might play some golf. Who's to say? Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. So, no, I would I will not be in attendance. I'll be watching, though. So, it would be interesting. So, kind of transitioning out of that, the Sweet 16 starts back up tomorrow, and it has the potential with – there being so there being no upsets obviously made for a little bit of an uneventful you know first weekend, but that's going to set up a what seems like could be an incredible weekend in basketball. Yeah, 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 and I, and I don't know if there's going to be a ton of upsets in in this round of sixteen. To be honest with you, um, so yeah, it's going to be really good basketball, and and I kind of you know we said it before the tournament. There's never been a year where the one or two seeds are so much better than the field. I still kind of feel that way. Yeah, I yeah, I mean it is is there's kind of like a drop off after a couple of teams. So matchup wise on Thursday you have let's see Gonzaga Go, Florida State Gonzaga. Yeah, probably Gonzaga. Although Florida State is tough. Like they're the Gonzaga is going to have to play well to put them away. Sure. I think that line's seven and a half. That sounds about right. Purdue Tennessee Purdue. I kind of like Purdue in that one too. Carson Edwards. Tennessee's just had such long stretches of basketball well. and they haven't played well. I just I, I don't know about that one. Um, Texas Tech-Michigan Texas is Tech. an interesting matchup because I think I kind of like Texas Tech too, but it'll all depend on how they play offensively because Michigan struggles to score sometimes, yeah. but they defend the hell out of you. Well, so does Texas Tech, though. I think those defenses are kind of comparable, and I think Texas Tech has the ability to put the ball in the basket a little bit more than Michigan does. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. I think I kind of like Texas Tech, too. Chris Beard's done a hell of a job with that program. He's not uh, going to be at Texas Tech next year. Ooh, I'm not, I don't know. I think they might back up the truck to keep him, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he took another job, but but who knows? I, I don't know. I, I would be a little surprised, but not much, I guess I would say, if he's gone. Um, Oregon, Virginia, that'll be a massacre. Yeah, Oregon's playing really well, but I just I don't see it against Virginia. So Friday, LSU, Michigan State. 
Michigan State, easy. Yeah, LSU just doesn't look like screwed down or cohesive ever since they've had the interim coach. I mean, it seems like they've kind of gotten to where they are because they have such tremendous talent and athleticism. They're not going to be able to out-talent Michigan State. Izzo will coach circles around that interim staff. Yeah, I, I tend to agree too, but I don't know. I just I, I have a hard time counting out LSU with with Waters and Reed and and kind of what they got going on because there's something to be said for a team that kind of feels like the world's against them. But again, I think it's probably too much Michigan State, Auburn, North Carolina might be the matchup of the weekend. That's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of points scored in that game because um, both teams like to run, and that's really all they do. So, yeah, I, I think North Carolina gets out of there, but it, it wouldn't shock me at all if you still look up at Auburn's got a two-point lead with a minute and a half left. Yeah, Auburn defends better more consistently, but like if you, like you saw against Kansas there, if you have a night where Bryce Brown and Harper go just kind of nuts from the perimeter, then I don't – I mean, they're, they're, they shoot so many threes, and if they hit them at that high of a rate, I just – you know, there's oh, some nights good. where I'm not sure just about anyone can beat them. So no. it'll all depend on how I think North Carolina guards the perimeter in that game because both teams are going to get out and transition and get points and run, but who can kind of bottle up Auburn on the perimeter? So, sometimes I look at that Auburn team like when they played Kansas, and I don't understand how Ole Miss beat them twice. I'm not sure I understand how they beat them once. Yeah, it is. It is. But it's Auburn just for the first two months of the year, it's like, when are they going to figure it out? Yeah, well, they did. Yeah, they're, they're and certainly certainly playing well at, at the right time. So, and then let's see, what is the last? What's the last Dude, one? Virginia oh, Tech. That'll yeah. end Virginia Tech. Dude got that, lucky. Yeah, I probably. Said, that'll but, end Virginia Tech. Yeah. I don't know. It's just neither team, they, they, the first time they played each other, neither team was at full strength. Yeah. And so I tend to lean Duke because Duke's coming off a game where they, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not ready. Like, I didn't think Duke played horribly in that UCF game. I thought UCF just kind of played out of their mind. I think this game could be close. But yeah, I probably lean Duke in the end. I think just too much talent. And I don't think Virginia Tech is going to be able to score it enough to kind of stay in that game. That's all I'm Houston, think about what, uh, Duke is they play really good defense. Oh yeah, no, they do. I mean, their their one indictment is they don't they don't shoot from the perimeter well, At but they all. they really do play good defense, and then they just pound the hell out of you inside. Yep. And I so, think Houston beats Kentucky. I think that's going to be a fun game. Houston is really really good. Kentucky's really. I mean, Cal deserves a lot of credit for year after year getting these teams to to kind of be the vet, better version of themselves by the end of the year, like. Like he he's done it once again. What's that? I mean, I saw a stat the other day, and I don't have it on top of my head. How many times has he gotten to the Sweet Sixteen and like out in the last? Do you have that? Do you know what I'm talking I about? I don't. I don't. I'm trying to think. You can kind of count the years you didn't make the Sweet Sixteen, though. Um, I kind of think like two out of every year he's been at Kentucky. He did make the tournament in thirteen, and they lost to Indiana in like sixteen in the round of thirty-two. I think around. However many years he's been at Kentucky, he's made Sweet 16 two every year but two. Yes, he has made the Sweet 16 every year but two. And then going back to his last four years at Memphis, he made at least the Sweet 16 every single year. Jesus. And that yet there's a narrative that that guy can't coach, although I think that's probably probably died. Well, I can tell you this. If he gets beat on, on Friday night or whenever, there'll be some Kentucky fans that want to run him out. But how? Like, what more can you ask from the guy? You're in they, the second weekend every single year. Yeah, they they want national championships, and and I mean they're crazy, man. It's Alabama football. 
You have to get lucky to win national championships in basketball, though. You do. Absolutely. There has to be luck involved. And he's, what, he's been to two title games and won one at Kentucky? Yeah. Yeah, he got beat, crazily enough, he got beat by an eight seed in the other national title game. I think he was an eight seed, too, though. Three Final Fours? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, yeah, I just, I don't know what more you want, and I understand Kentucky's frustration because, at like the the very bottom line of that result is, well, he only has one national title, but so does Izzo. <laughs> yeah, so does Self. Wait, Self have two? Self has one, right? I think just one. I believe yeah. just one. Yeah, I mean, so does Self. Um, you know, so uh, national titles are very hard. Yeah, you have. I mean, in a ter- particularly the way the NCAA basketball is set up. I mean, that tournament, you just you, you got to have some good fortune, and you got to have it at the right time because you can still have good fortune and not not make it. So, yeah, that should be an interesting game. I, I, I mean, a couple games. Like, I'm looking forward to Thursday and Friday a lot because there's only two games. Like, I, I, I don't see Oregon staying in it with Virginia, and then. Gonzaga is probably a better team than Florida State, but it wouldn't stun me if Florida State kind of blitzed them early and that became a kind of, oh, Gonzaga's in hot water for 31 that's minutes. What, that's what that's what happened last year, and then Florida State just held them off at the end. But uh, outside so. of that, and maybe, what, I guess Virginia Tech, you can really, for like all these games, you could, like, if you told me what either team won in each game, I'm, I'm not stunned at all. No, 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 absolutely not. Uh, I, I'll push back. I think I'd be kind of shocked if LSU beat Michigan State. Yeah, I, I, I probably there. would be a little bit. Still, I mean, you're talking about Tremont Waters, Nas Reed. I mean, all the athleticism on that team. And, and are Michigan they, are they more athletic flawed. than Michigan State? Yes, oh, I think I think 100%. Okay. Fair. I haven't watched a ton of Michigan State. I, I think they are, too. But, I mean, when Michigan State's healthy, they can kind of get out and go and run, too. So, it it you're probably right on that. But I just, I don't know. I have a hard time counting out a team with that much talent and athleticism like LSU. So I guess I guess we, since we're on basketball, though, there's like 84 coach openings in the SEC now. Yeah. So everybody's getting fired. I mean, it's kind of turning into football where, where, where you know, quote-unquote good, average to good is not good enough for a lot of these schools. I mean, you saw, so the the bigger shocker was, I mean, I think the biggest shocker was probably Mike Anderson getting let go in yeah. Arkansas yesterday. Yeah, and That's I mean, a guy that's got, he just has, that guy made a lot of tournaments, he just hasn't made the jump to get them to the second weekend. Yeah, and you know, the, the, they expect more down there, and rightly or wrongly, that's just kind of their expectations. Um, I, I would kind of disagree with them, but that, that's why I got run off. And man, it's going to be interesting with the influx of, of coaches into this league because I'm not exactly sure where like an Alabama goes if Greg Marshall doesn't want the job. Steve Prom has apparently turned it down. I, I just don't know where you go from there, you know? And that, I mean, obviously AM is going to hire Buzz Williams. That's probably the worst kept secret um, around. But in, in Arkansas, is probably going to hire Kelvin Sampson. But I don't know what Vanderbilt's going to do. I don't know what Alabama's going to do. Let's get real. I don't know what LSU's going to do. Yeah, and like I get, I get Bryce Drew being let go. You go zero and eighteen. I I kind of get the Billy Kennedy thing, although I thought that was a little bit of a quick trigger. And then I do understand Avery Johnson. Alabama just kind of wants better than that. But Arkansas to me is kind of like Memphis basketball. What they think they are is a lot Compared different what they than are. what they actually are. Like their expectations yeah. are not actually what they are as a program. Although I'll push back a little bit. I, I think Arkansas will try to hire Kelvin Sampson, but. Man, you talk about a, a school now like Tillman Fertitta. Like Houston's got the capital to keep coaches. You think they can offer thirty million over five years? I mean, their biggest booster owns the Houston Rockets. Yeah, fair enough. Um, 
if he golf for 30 over five years, they may keep him. But I, I kind of feel like Arkansas is gonna gonna make a big time run at him. Um, but yeah, just kind of, it's gonna, you know, you're gonna get some really good coaches in this league because you hire. Oh, let's just say for kicks and giggles, you hire uh, Buzz Williams and Kellen Sampson. I mean, those are two guys that have have made deep runs in the NCAA tournament. You got Ben Howland at State that's made Final Fours. You got Frank Martin who's made a Final Four. You got Mike White who's made an Elite Eight. I mean, you just got kind of guys that have been to the NCAA tournament and had success before in this league, and that's kind of what's you know made this league so good lately. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would definitely agree, and I, I just for schools like the the South Carolinas and the old misses of the world, like that. Not that it's like bad news, but I mean, you got to look around and just kind of be like, geez, like like this league's already tough enough, and presumably it's going to get tougher depending on the hires that are made. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, now that I'm just kind of talking about this Alabama thing, they had Greg Marshall hired four years ago. I wouldn't be shocked they go back down that route. Yeah, and he's coming off an NIT run, kind of a little bit of a down year, although they are going to Madison Square Garden. I, I forget who they beat. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, yeah, that would make sense. But different times in the SEC because you talk about five years ago, I think the only coach that would get fired after the result that he had, given like the past like two or three years Bryce of sample sure. size, would probably be Bryce Drew. I mean, yeah. Billy Kennedy probably gets another year. Mike Anderson probably. Avery Johnson even probably. But expectations has changed. Yeah, and I, I hate to do this, but you know, with the FBI thing, I mean, I don't feel like Bruce Pearl is 100% safe. Um, yeah, I'm so just I, under the impression that he's invincible. He's had two guys <laughs> get indicted or investigated by the FBI, two assistant coaches, and just nothing skating. So yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. But no, I, I don't yeah, I'm, with, I'm with you there, too. But I mean, I'm just saying it wouldn't shock me if that opens. So, no, so that so you're gonna have five openings in all likelihood. I mean, if Will Wade's back on the sideline next year, something I, something I, apocalyptic has happened. Well, I think Will Wade's got a better chance of being in prison. Yeah, see, I don't, I just, I just don't know if any of these head coaches ever end up behind bars. Yeah, that's just just such a goofy, like, like thing to picture. Like, I just, it's just it that whole. I mean, we, we've talked about it. Where the whole thing's a sham. Like, it, it just. The whole premise of their argument of the school is being victimized and all that, it's just it's <laughs> nonsense. It makes no sense. So I just really – it's a shame that this, some of these assistants are actually going to federal prison over that. And oh, I just, God. I need a LSU-Auburn national title game. I don't know if it's possible, but I need it. Man, Mark Emmert just – when you got to show up to that thing, I guess. No, you don't. You ain't got to do nothing. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. I wouldn't show up if I were him if that's it. Can you imagine him handing the national title trophy to LSU? I would like Will Wade just walk out of like the tunnel after the game. <laughs> I'd like uh, Javante Smart to go accept it. Like, just run him out of there. Uh, just run him out and be like, thanks, man. Like, gotcha. <laughs> oh, it's going to be. It's going to be a chaotic offseason in uh, SEC basketball because I don't feel like that LSU roster is going to stay intact very long. No, I think they'll have some turnover, but that is just kind of the life in college basketball these days. You're battling more roster attrition seemingly by the year. I mean, the transfer numbers seemingly go up every year, so should be an interesting offseason. Got us some spring football? You got us some spring football? I missed the availability for baseball, so I'll have – we'll have some pro day stuff, I guess, Friday. What is pro day? Friday? Friday, 9 a.m. 9 a.m. You know. Talk about one of the more, I guess it's a more interesting pro day than they've had in the past because the amount of prospects they have. Talking yeah, way four, more 14 was really big, but yeah, other than that. Yeah, I mean, they'll have more 
the, I'll venture to say there will be more scouts in the IPF than there were in 2018. Just a few. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Yeah. So I'll take analysis. <laughs> um, you don't need people to grind your gears. Today is Wednesday. I don't have a clown of the week. I don't I, have, no one's I, no one's bothered me this week, which is you, really you didn't have rarity. any uh, run-ins in Memphis yesterday um, or Columbia. No, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think because I'm usually really good about this. So, no, we need to start getting listener submissions. So, if you're hearing out there and you or see listeners. something that just, yeah, listeners, what I say? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just making a joke. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Anything that just makes you look at someone and be like, I hate people. I don't understand how, like, I share an earth with some of these people. Just whether it's little things or big things, just send it in to me. Wait, 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 wait. Can we uh, can we name the guy that I can't even remember his name uh, that uh, tweeted that he was going to bring down Nike and then got arrested two hours later? Oh, uh, Avenatti, Michael. Yeah, Avenatti, the yeah. lawyer. Uh, yeah, he represented Stormy Daniels. Yeah, that's a good. That, that's probably a good one this week. I did have one guy during the South Carolina game. I took questions at halftime, and one guy asked me if I preferred, which I don't have a preference either way. But he was basically asking if Ole Miss fans would prefer a deep NIT run as opposed to getting okay. beat in the round of 64 the way they did. I was like, man, has, how this, has this guy been to an NIT there? game? Because I've been to an NIT game and they're awful. Yeah, it's just oh like, how do you let your mind get to that place? I mean, I just, oh, I, God. Uh, oh people, the NIT people, man. Still being a thing is kind of an upset because nobody cares about that thing. No, but like the re- the way they fill up the stands for some teams is it's kind of remarkable. Do you remember how packed that Georgia Tech NIT game was for Ole Miss a couple years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was a little bit different because that was like, wasn't that the year the Pavilion opened? And I don't know. I mean, it. I don't think I Ole get Miss your will point ever... though. It is it is weird that the NIT is still such a. I mean, it's relevant. Like, I mean, they're nationally televised games, and like, like the 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 amount of relevancy it still has, I guess, is kind of baffling to me no you, you just to get back to the point you you would take a loss in the first round of the ncaa tournament every single year before you went and won the nit like that's not yeah, even a just, yeah I, I just didn't understand i didn't understand the, the the question i mean it's like what are you talking like you're really going to get amped up over a deep nit run if you're an old miss man that just doesn't anyway i don't know we need better <laughs> submissions next week so if you're listening to this podcast and someone does something that bothers you send it to me please Anyway, that's all I got. We'll be back at it. Well, I guess we'll be back at it tomorrow because we'll yeah. have the special MLB show. That should be a lot of fun. Mark gave me some good stuff. I'm talking to Chandler later today. Should be a lot of fun. So we'll be back at it tomorrow unless you have anything else. I'm good. Sounds good. Well, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you all on Thursday, and we'll have another one on Friday. You all have a great afternoon, night, whenever it is you might be listening. We thank you for listening. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.